first time since 2003 that we can honestly say literally every location in Australia has seen property prices rise all at the same time. Going one, going quiet, sold. You're listening to The Property Pod. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into the real estate market here in Hobart, Tasmania and all around Australia. I am your host, Aaron Horn, and I'm... Joined at the desk, as always, by John McGregor and Patrick Berry. Always love to be here. Hey, how's it going? How are we doing, boys? Yeah, really good. Excited uh, for this week. I'm going to jump straight into it this week because we have mm. a very special guest, a friend of the podcast. Actually, probably one of our the first friends of our of the podcast. Yep, absolutely. I, I can't remember how many times it's been, but I think it's been probably three times, maybe. Maybe, the, yeah. And the, the one that gives us all the stats that makes us look good. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so today we'd like to welcome Simon Presley back to the show. Thanks for coming back on. Hello, Hello gentlemen. gentlemen. Thank you for having me back, back on. on. Not a problem, mate. For all those people that haven't heard before, Simon Presley's the managed, managing director of uh, a buyer's agency in, named Propiology, based in Brisbane, I believe, based on the colours of your um, football attire there, sir. Yeah, yeah based, based in, in Brisbane, Brisbane, but Brisbane's, Brisbane's not our property, property market, market Australia's your property market. market. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, so I feel like you only ever reach out to Simon in footy season. <laughs> it's, it's been like, a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, we always, always seem to be mixing property and AFL. <laughs> Obviously, Brisbane Lions, happy with how they're travelling so far? I'd like a bit more out of them. Uh, no, a very patchy start to the year. I think we've got the, got the right cattle, but there's been a few personnel changes over the summer and they're trying to get connections together and a few changes with their game plan, I think. so. But as they say, you don't win premierships in September, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we get it right by then. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. You don't win premierships early on. But, yeah, no, it's interesting. The game's so different at the moment with this new rule of the standing on the mark and it's, it's speedy, it's all happening. So it's, it's quite exciting to see what will happen like leading into the later part of the season. I feel like the Lions will be in pretty good stead. Hopefully you're right. <laughs> Jumping into uh, real estate, which is why we get you onto the show. You're a superstar. You, we actually were discussing uh, some of your stats just recently and John was kind of floundering his way through them. Yeah, as a, yeah. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a stats man that he is, he was, he was popping stats up on the internet last night, something about if you work for us at 414, you're 27% more attractive. Is that what you said? That's science. <laughs> Straight up. So I have no yeah. faith in that stat, but hopefully Simon's got some real stats yeah. that we can actually look at today. Well, at least I'll always I'll be the first one to admit if I don't know what I'm talking about before anyone else realises. <laughs> so, mate, the um, the property market's going crazy. I know I was listening to the Elevate podcast just the other day, which you were on, um, and I think basically at the start, the big thing I took out of it was when COVID hit, you kind of were the only one to buck the trend and say kind of things yeah. aren't doom and gloom, like – there's going to be a boom. Yeah, this time last year when we were going into lockdown and everyone, uh, literally every bank in Australia and most economists predicted a massive downturn. Um, we not only disagreed with the downturn, but we went public and said there's going to be a boom and a bloody big one and, and we're only a few months away from it. I think officially the boom started in about August. With, with August, is that, um, I mean, obviously we could, we certainly experienced that in Tasmania with our market um, and but that was something you started to see right across Australia or was it isolated in specific areas? What was the story there? No, I think a lot of people forgot, John, that before we went into lockdown, large parts of Australia, maybe it started about six months before COVID, but large parts of us had started to boom. Yeah. I mean, Hobart's the exception because it's been the best performed property market um, in Australia last six years now. So yeah. it was already strong. Um, but, um, you know, before COVID arrived, we had 
for interest rate reductions um, from the RBA. Um, and uh, and APRA had started to you know get back to normal borrowing levels again. So property markets are really cramping, uh, cranking up um, and supply was already low. So we factored all those things in when people said, you know, COVID's going to arrive. And at the end of the day, is as disruptive as it has been, it's COVID's not a um, property market to germ in the sky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it has, you know, some impact on, on things, but a lot of, a lot of things it, it doesn't. So um, yeah, the boom started pretty quickly, really. Well, it's interesting, you know, one, I often refer to you when it comes to people asking about where to buy and I always go back to the early conversations you had around about fundamentals and essentially, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but all the fundamentals hadn't changed at all. It's just all of a sudden we had this exception like bug, like you said, that just popped out of nowhere. And of course, well, the second that resolve was like, like any illness, well, you just want to go back to your normal life, don't you? It's not like um, we've had some changes, but all the fundamentals hadn't changed in terms of the property market. Spot on. I think like the, the, the economists as well, meaning as they are, they never have been property experts and hopefully COVID, yeah. uh, hopefully their COVID predictions has, has taught people, don't bloody listen to them when they're commenting on property markets because they never get it right. But, but for them, I think property is a dot on a spreadsheet yeah. and property at the end of the day, it's shelter. Um, and so when COVID hit, we still bloody need shelter. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was the thing that we're spending more time in than most of us probably liked. The, the volume of properties listed for sale was already very low when COVID arrived. And when we went into lockdown, some of those properties that were then listed for sale were actually taken off the market. Yep. So supply shrunk because of COVID. And there was always going to be a, um, an economic response, a stimulus response from uh, federal and state governments from COVID because 200 years of Australian history shows that every time this nation is hit by adversity, we, we respond. Mm. Human beings don't like losing. We, we respond. We don't, we don't cop shit on the chin. Um, so there was always going to be a response on the demand side. And knowing that we had tight supply before COVID, which got tighter again post-COVID, to me, I mean, property markets are very difficult to forecast, but I have never been more confident with this forecast that there was going to be a boom. And I, I must admit, I started to second guess myself when literally every other Australian had predicted the complete opposite. I thought, my God, I'm, I'm going to look stupid here if I've got this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it, uh, in, in the end, we were, we were bang on. No, it's really interesting. I, I also listened on this other podcast that was saying, I think you... First time we spoke, we were talking like maybe four or five markets you guys were working in. At the moment, you've kind of expanded out to 19 or something. Like you're just all across the country. Uh, yeah, and we had to sort of do that because of the the, the record low volumes of properties for sale. We, you know, we're, we've got more clients than, than ever. And if we're, if we're focusing our attention on trying, them, trying to get them in, um, three to five parts of Australia. Um, the, the waiting list to get people into markets could be as long as six months. And mm. in some locations, market could, markets can move 10% in six months. Yeah. Um, so we've, we can't control the market pressure, but what we can control is which parts of Australia do we help people invest in. And we've extended our reach to, to now 10 different cities across four states. Um, that said, it's still, it's still bloody difficult getting people in, into property markets at the moment. Are you finding um, your clients in that perspective because they're, you know, they're trusting your guides to invest right across Australia, but are they having more of an opinion about where they want to buy or are they, trust, or are they trusting you more to say, look, I don't care where it is, you just put me where I need to be? 
Uh, I mean, sometimes when a client reaches out to us, John, they um they do have some specific thoughts about where they'd like to invest, and other other times they're very open minded. Either way, um, we we say to anyone inquiring about popology services, please maintain an open mind. We would like to initially invest in your education about what drives property markets, um, and, and it's in your interest to have to have an open mind. If we if you have a think about the best performed property markets throughout right of all over Australia over the last five years, the best markets are not the ones that people predicted. Um, the best performed capital city is Hobart. The next best performed capital city is Canberra. Um, if you went back five years ago and did a straw poll of Australians, you know, which markets are going to do the best, I guarantee you no one would have said Hobart and Canberra. Um, and then there's a big bunch of regions that did better than all of those. And, you know, the, there's always been a myth that capital cities are better than regions. That's, that's complete hogwash. Um, but that's what people think. Um, so yeah, we always encourage people, you know, just come on a bit of a journey with us and, uh, and we'll try to teach you a few things and see how you feel about it. Well, it sounds to me that <clears throat> it's almost like you're trying to help them not get swept with the, with the tide. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're going by, yeah, the, the data driven and, you know, points of the market. Look, so it just don't, don't listen to everyone else, you know, listen to what is true. Yeah, um, we, we try to educate them on what, what that word fundamentals means mm. uh, and then share with them some evidence um, on fundamentals of different markets. And what we're trying to do there is is, is help people to make, um, I guess, add some structure to their decision making rather than just saying, I want to invest here because it makes me feel good. Or lots of people are saying, you know, that market might do well. That's not really research. That's just that's just a lot of opinions about the one thing, but we've just been talking about all those opinions about what might happen with COVID. So it's often not the best thing to just do what the consensus is saying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the things you put together for us, which is great, where, I mean, the heading straight up just says Tassie real estate on top of the world. Um, and it's this sort of 20 year trend of against a lot of other um, capital cities. And would it be all right, Tom, could you give us sort of, even for us and the listeners, a bit of a snapshot even over um, just a quick last 20 years that you've done here for us um, of the real changes since then to now um, and the growth that we've experienced? Yeah, I mean, 20 years is obviously a long, a long time. Um, with the exception of the boom that's sort of just started now, there's only been two booms in Australia over that 20-year period of time. So what it shows is booms do not happen very often and when they do jump in but um, for some perspective to um, you know some bigger profile uh, locations Sydney's average annual capital growth rate over the last 20 years was 6.6 percent Brisbane 6.8 Melbourne 7.3 Burnie in uh, northwest Tasmania also had 7.3 percent not bad for a regional city of a uh, population of 20,000 people to do as well as our second biggest capital city uh, Launceston um, beat them all at 7.9% average per annum. And top of the pops, Hobart, 8.3% per annum, Australia's best performed capital city. Um, there were some other regions that actually did uh, did better than that, believe it or not. Byron Bay was the best in Australia over the last 20 years, but Hobart was easily Australia's best capital city. All those influencers heading to the bay, follow Chris Hemsworth and get on that new TV show. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> And with that, because those, obviously the 20 years, we're not talking about, you know, sometimes there'll be one year with more or one year with less, sometimes there's a pullback, but that's that uh, averaged over 20 years, that's every year, that's what we've seen, that's what that stat's saying, yeah? Correct, yeah. I don't know about you, but if uh, 
if I could buy a piece of real estate and someone could guarantee me that if I bought somewhere today and it was going to grow by an average of 8.3% um, every year for the next 20 years, I would jump at it, wouldn't you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we uh, a lot of the time when we're going to clients' properties and they'll, they'll, be there, they'll be helping their children or whatever, just buying their first home, and then the parents will pipe up and say, well, I bought my house for $60,000, and I just immediately turn to them and say, hey, this isn't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. But what, what then, um, so with the, over those 20 years, are there real, um, what's sort of been a couple of real biggest factors, I suppose, for, for Tasmania, if we, we can focus on that specifically? Yeah, well, the biggest boom that uh, Tassie had uh, over that 20-year period of time was actually um, the same time Australia had its biggest boom. So the five years ending 2005, mm. Now, all of us were alive back then, but whether we actually remember what um, real estate did uh, all those years ago is a different uh, different thing. But in that five-year period of time, there were 128 individual Australian towns and cities where the median house price doubled or more in just five years. Um, so, but um, as strange as this may sound, Sydney and Melbourne were the worst performed capital cities, and by worst... 57% um, capital growth in Sydney and 67% in Melbourne is, is far from horrible, is it? No, yeah, um, good. <laughs> but they, they were among the worst performers in Australia back then. In that same five-year period of time, Brisbane grew by 118, Burnie grew by 121, Launceston grew by 143% in just five years and Hobart grew by 147% in five years. Crazy stuff. Actually, I know with um, at that time too, um, looking at when we're doing the trends, uh, when looking at appraisals as well, is it that was that also that was the it was the highest volume of property moving through the market too, wasn't there? So it's like during that boom, there was a lot to buy, as opposed to now where there's a lot of people wanting to buy but nothing to buy. Yeah, and whilst this boom, I think is going to be a, a very strong one. You're you're 100 right, John. Conditions were very different. Um, there was a lot more properties listed for sale on, on the market, you know, in the boom we were just talking about compared to now. Interest rates were about three times higher then than what they are today. So they were around that, you know, 9% mark um, in that five-year period of time. They're, they're around the 3% mark today. Um, so whilst the cost of credit was a lot higher back then, credit was more readily available. And that's not to say that banks were reckless. Um, we, we know that they weren't because there wasn't any sign of, um, you know, lots of bankruptcies or uh, markets crashing after the boom or anything like that. People might say that that's not sustainable for, for property markets to double in five years. Well, if it wasn't sustainable, it would have ended in a crash and it, it certainly didn't. Um, so yeah, there's a few things that are different um, uh, back then compared to now. So speaking of kind of the lack of stock that's out there now, has that just got to do with kind of population growth and there's just more people, not enough houses and trying to kind of balance that side of the ship out? No, the um, Australia as a whole, Aaron, we don't have – it's not that we have not built enough dwellings. As a, as a, as a nation, we have more than enough properties. Yep. Where we have a supply concern is in two areas. We don't have enough rental supply. Yep. Rental supply is determined by uh, investor participation. So the four of us and everyone listening, if there's, if there's not enough everyday Aussies that purchase properties for investment purposes, then there won't be enough rental stock. Uh, so over the last five years, there hasn't been anywhere near 
enough participation by investors and you, you know all of Tasmania not just Hobart that's experiencing that and not just now but for the last five years um, really low vacancy rates a lot of upward pressure on rents and that's frankly because there hasn't been enough people invest in Tasmania been plenty of people buy property in Tasmania but they've been predominantly the owner occupier uh, as opposed to the investor. Yes. The other area where there's a supply um, uh, constraint is properties listed for sale. Um, and that's actually, strangely enough, caused by a series of decisions, mostly governments, um, uh, collectively over the last six years. So if we cast our mind back over the last six years, we've had two federal elections, and the number one issue that Australia was asked to vote on for both the last two federal elections was negative gearing. So if you own a property already and you're considering selling to, let's say, upgrade or something like that, you have your, your, your um, uh, kitchen uh, table dinner discussion with your partner and you go, not a good time, dear. There, there, there's an election coming. They're talking about scrapping it year and let, let's wait and see what happens. Um, so we had two, two of those federal elections. We've also had APRA that made it really hard for um, some responsible borrowers to get loans. So even if they wanted to participate, a lot of people couldn't do that. Yeah. And then we had COVID come along. So we've had these series of events that um, someone wanted to sell their property, but then there's a big, big, scary event on the horizon. So they hold back. And when you have five years of those, um, I guess, periods of uncertainty, what that's resulted in is all-time record low volumes of properties listed for sale. Hmm. I suppose now too, is it if for um... – this is, I'm just thinking like as if psych psychologically is like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to sell now. I mean, let's just stick in this house as long as we can and ride the ride the wave. Um, I know, I suppose in Hobart, there's a lot of very much a chicken and the egg situation where people are just stuck where they're like, well, we want to move, but we can't because there's nothing to buy. So it's like, it's just self-perpetuating. I think I heard on the uh, Elevate one you were discussing kind of an idea, um, Simon, of the maybe coming to an agreement in the contract um, of, you know, like a three-month kind of fair market value rental um, deal to, to give people a little bit of extra time. Would you like to talk on that? Yeah. So if you're a, um, an owner-occupier and you want to sell but you're, you're holding back putting your property on the market because you can't find anything to move into, I would suggest... Talk, talk to your agent, list your property for sale. Um, have the, it will sell because we're in a boom. So you should have no fear of your property selling, but it's a, it's a legitimate concern about, well, where am I going to move into? So um, talk to your agent about, look, when we find that right buyer, um, you've got two tangible options, I think. If the buyer of the property that you want to sell is another owner-occupier, I'd be saying to them, look, we'll sell our property to you, but we want a three-month settlement rather than the traditional one-month settlement. So you, you lock in your price and you've then got an extra two months knowing exactly how much you can spend then to go out and actively actively look. Um, or the other option is if the buyer of, your, of the one you want to sell is an investor, ask them if you can sign a short-term lease. Sign a three-month lease with the new buyer of your property so you're not moving twice. You've sold the property, you put the money in the back pocket and you continue to rent what was your own home, 
for a period of, say, three months while you're actively looking with that money in the wallet for, for the next home to move into. Interesting you suggest that, Simon, because that's definitely something that I know I've spoken to about a few clients here in Hobart, and I'm assuming you've probably done the same as well, John. Yeah, it's a strategy we've had to implement here. (coughs) Excuse me. The vendors have a lot of power at the moment to be able to dictate terms as far as a contract goes because, you know, everyone wants their house so they can get away with that longer settlement period or they can get away with negotiating a rental deal because people are prepared to wait because they just want to secure something. Yep, absolutely, Patrick. You are If you own property at the moment and you want to sell, you are in the box seat. Mm. So whilst you might have a challenge finding something else, use use the asset that you already own as a powerful vehicle to leverage you into something else. Yeah, because I've, I've talked to a couple of owners in the past that it's not necessarily always about the best price. It sometimes can come down to the conditions as to who you might accept at the end of the day and what works best for your circumstances. Absolutely. Mm. Actually, that's a good um, segue because a lot of que- – we're constantly getting asked at the moment, like, can you help me secure a property? What do we need to do to, you know, get at the front of the line effectively? What are, what, what are some suggestions, Simon, um, in your experience that you could help – like, if a buyer was looking to buy, what are you saying to them at the moment that's going to help them get the edge, if, if there is any? Uh, certainly make sure you've um, uh, done the hard yards with your with your broker and got your finance pre-approved. Uh, don't wait to go through that process once you've found a property. Get that done. Um, because uh, when you're out there looking to buy, as a buyer, um, you know, it'll be you and umpteen others that are looking for that, that same property. So if there are half a dozen others that already have their finance pre-approved and you don't, um, you can be absolutely certain that the real estate agent going to the owner of that property is going to be saying, well, I'm not quite sure about this one. The price might look okay, but they haven't even got their finance sorted yet. So maybe we don't need to bother about that particular offer there. So mm-hmm. um, so do that. Um, and you might need to get a little bit more commercially minded about the conditions that you put in, in your contract. Um, again, if you found that property that you want to buy, you, you probably need to see things through the eyes of the vendor, the owner of that property, and, and, and they've got other offers to look at. So if you've um, made an offer, not just the price, but if the conditions there um, are more onerous compared to some others, the owner of that property is probably going to be less likely to accept your offer. So, mm. um, you know, uh, can you get hold of a building and pest inspector um, and potentially get that done so that you're not having to sign a, a contract with a building inspection clause in there. I'm not saying buy a property blindly, but just have a think about some things that you might be able to take control over to make your offer a bit more appetizing to, to the owner of that property. Yeah, because it's just a reality, like you said, is it try and put them, put you and you, if you're in the um, vendor's position, you're deciding on the contracts, just think about, well, what would you be looking for? It's got, um, it's not really the agent in that sense, it's just you're trying to make sure that, well, the vendor's going to want certainty as much as possible. So you're trying to position yourself in a way to show to the vendor that, hey, if you accept my offer, this is a certain bet that it's going to proceed. Yep, absolutely. Well, one of the, the one of the questions, we uh, read an appraisal yesterday and um, we were going through a little bit of, because um, the gentleman had been in the suburb of Lutana for quite some time, so we had to really look at what had happened. Um, but his next question was, oh, you know, how long do you think this is going to last? And I said, well, look, this is why I surround with people much smarter than me. And I said, but tune into the podcast the next couple of weeks because we've got our expert coming on. Um, so I'll delegate that question to you, Simon. You, know, you don't have to answer it, but um, I mean, what if, if even if we could maybe use, and Tassie's a local because I suppose it'd be too big a conversation for Australia, but if someone were to ask you, Simon, how long is this going to last? What would your response yeah, um, we, we got um, Australia as a whole, firstly, uh, it's a case of rising tides lift all ships. 
this is the first time since 2003 that we can honestly say literally every location in Australia has seen property prices rise all at the same time. That, that just does not happen um, very often at all. Uh, and that's um, because all of Australia has low volumes of properties listed for sale for the reasons we were talking about earlier, and we've got uh, record low interest rates. So there are a couple of macro factors that are benefiting all markets. But what always has the biggest influence on, on property markets and why um, different locations produce different rates of capital growth is local conditions, um, local economic conditions, uh, local volumes of properties listed for sale. Whilst they're all low, they're not all at exactly the same level mm. um, and local levers of confidence. So focusing um, now more specifically to Tasmania, Tasmania's state economy has been the strongest of all state economies in Australia for the last two years. And there's no reason why I see that changing anytime soon. Um, you know, the, the industries that are key to Tassie's economy, the outlook for those are strong. And the way that the Tasmanian government has responded to COVID and every, every state government obviously had to come up with a, a package of sorts in response to COVID, um, you've got a construction boom going on not just a residential construction boom, but I'd argue the most infrastructure projects that the state of Tasmania has ever had. So that's really good for the, for the local economy. Um, I think your tourism markets are going to get stronger and stronger as um, more vaccines, uh, uh, we have more, more jabs in arms. Um, so that's going to be good. You've got the world's best agriculture. You've got the world's best booze. You've got the cleanest air. Um, I mean, it's from an economic point of view, from a confidence point of view, I, I can't see that um, easing anytime soon. The supply side of things, while supply is tight all over Australia, Hobart at the moment has an all-time record low volume of properties listed for sale. Right. So we're not going to see um, Hobart's property market, you know, peter out to more normal levels of growth until supply gets back up to more normal levels. And it's got a long way to go there. Um, but Bernie and Launceston have even lower volumes of properties listed for sale than, than their, their normal. So um, I can't say exactly how many years, but I think we're going to be talking years, not months in, in regards to how long this, this boom might last. So when we are talking earlier about Australia's most prosperous era, you know, that was a boom that you know, for some locations um, went into six or seven years. Okay. A lot of things could happen over the next six or seven years. So I'm not going to you know, pretend to be Nostradamus and know what might happen over that period of time. But th this is not going to be a short period of time. Well, mate, you, um, you called it pretty early with the last one. There was doom and gloom on everyone else's radar, but you said, no, nah, things are going to be fine. So I think we will um, yeah, heed your advice on this one and look forward to plenty of years of, of boom. Mm. And you guys need to get out there and start appraising more properties and, and yeah. listing them. Well, it goes to – I mean, just a quick thought is that how I suppose our job is going to become more important is that we're going to have to connect dots that don't exist yet because uh, it's that if no one no one can sell or buy at the minute, um, the only way that they can do is somehow connect with each other even though they don't know that they are. So I suppose that's where our role is going to change quite dynamically is that we are going to have a much more pivotal incentive of connecting people without going to market or creating opportunities that otherwise don't exist. Which is interesting. Sounds like a very, very exciting time ahead. I think with that, we might wrap up our, uh, our favourite friend of the podcast, Simon. Thank you so much for your time this morning, my friend. Mm. Pleasure, gents. Um, I'm very always jealous when I get on this conversation because uh, whilst I live in Queensland, I've uh, always been uh, had a strong affection for Tassie. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having me back on. 
You're always, always welcome down here. Welcome in the offices. Welcome, mate. You can come stay on my couch if you need, especially if it's <laughs> bombers versus mines. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll make a night of it with some of that good Tassie booze. <laughs> Absolutely, got plenty of that. Excellent, mate. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And that is the property pod. Thanks very much, Simon. Till next time. See ya. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations express or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.